Welcome into A to Z Sports Primetime from the Zen Sports Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising, and I am proud, as always, to be presented to you by the wonderful people that I never get tired of. That's Zen Sports. Download the app, bet on basketball, playoff football, what little remains, or all of your favorite major sports. Promo code ATOZTN. It's a little blocked uh, in that purview, so I will straighten that up. ATOZTN is where you go to wager on all your favorite major sports in the Zen Sports app. The law offices of Amanda J. Gentry, wherever justice demands, Amanda and her crew are there to protect your constitutional rights. Go to amandajgentry.com for more information. And TrueMath Fitness in the Gulch, where no workout is ever recycled or repeated, TrueMathFitness.com for your first workout free. So Brian Callahan, the way that this worked today uh, was Rand Carthon opened the press conference, didn't take questions. Amy Adams Strunk then gave a statement, didn't take questions. That's all well and good, although I have plenty of questions for both of those individuals. Uh, it appears that we'll have to wait until a later date to get those questions answered. And then Brian Callahan went through his uh, introductory, the introductory portion of his press conference, thanking everybody that he needed to be thanked, uh, that he thought uh, needed to be thanked, realizing a childhood, a lifelong dream, a, a very cool moment. He was it was very emotional throughout the course of this. Uh, it shed, shed, I don't want to say shed quite a few tears, but got a little dusty at multiple points, and it's completely understandable. This this has got to be this dude's dream job. Um, not because it's the Titans, but because he's one of 32 NFL coaches now. That's a huge lifelong dream to achieve, no matter whether you're a lifer, like Brian Callahan is, where you've grown up in this stuff, um, or, uh, you know, Anybody, somebody like uh, Raheem Morris, who just was announced as the Falcons head coach before we started this live stream this evening, who's been an interim before, who's been a career uh, coordinator and stuff like that, who has been a head coach um, in uh, in spots in previous years, and now will get to be the full time head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. This this is a this is a really cool moment for them and their families. But while it is cool to see those moments realized. There are a lot of questions that have to be answered here, and Callahan answered them, uh, I thought, very, very well and very thoroughly, which I appreciated uh, for uh, for a variety of different reasons. Michael M. says, Buck, what was the juiciest piece of information you heard today, and what do you think of Callahan? Well, that seems like a perfectly good time or place to transition to your Two Rivers Ford take. On Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch in the comment section, I want you to tell me before I answer said question, what was the biggest thing that you learned about Brian Callahan today, about him, about his approach? What was the biggest thing that you learned from your new Titans head coach at the presser? We will touch on those things together. I'll tell you how I feel about it right after I remind you that your Two Rivers Ford take is presented by Two Rivers Ford. Quality American-made Ford vehicles and award-winning customer service. Go to Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So what was the thing that you learned uh, most from his press conference today? Uh, Rishi says, I like how Callahan was asked about the offensive line. Gave a Vrabel answer. Reminded you, uh, remind you Joe Burrow was sacked. A million times. I don't think he gave a very. I don't think he gave a variable answer at all. I think he gave. Uh, in fact, we'll get to that when we get to cause for concern because I don't think that was a variable answer. I think that was a very transparent answer, and I think it's. I think that was the biggest thing that concerned me today. But we'll 
We'll get to that. Uh, Terry, or excuse, yeah, Terry Anderson on YouTube says he's a good speaker, and I think he knows how to communicate. Well, that should be a bare minimum, right? Like he's he's an NFL head coach. Uh, you have to be able to command a room. You have to be able to talk to people. You have to be able to build relationships. You have to be able to communicate. That is, uh, you know, that I hope that the bar is higher for you guys than that, than just being able to physically speak. Um, the part about practicing hard made me have more questions than answers. Okay. I'm curious to know, flesh that out a bit for me, Matt, and maybe we'll, uh, we'll come back around to it because that's not necessarily something that I picked up on, but I'm, I'm happy to, uh, I'm happy to revisit it if it is something that you thought uh, was uh, was questionable at best, either created more questions than answers or or something else. Josh Sabata says, uh, <laughs> offense, 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 and hunt together, which is something that Rand Carthon said in his introductory remarks. Yes, indeed. Uh, the thing that I learned most about Brian Callahan uh, or from Brian Callahan's press conference today, and Bert, you'll have to play the clip for me because they're not showing up on my end, um, based on how he based on how he reacted to a lot of the questions that we asked, and based on how his background informs what this football team is going to be moving forward, uh, this was the thing that I learned most from Brian Callahan's press conference today. Some of the lessons that you took away from the leaner years early in Cincinnati about what it takes to turn things around and get things back on a good trajectory. Yeah, that's a Fantastic question. Um, a lot of adversity uh, in those early years. You know, we weren't, we didn't quite have uh, the roster to compete with some of the teams we were playing against. Um, but we saw in those in those dark days uh, the core of what our team was going to be. Um, There's a lot of players there in that in that first and second season that uh, are are still there now and were there for for sort of the the glory of it. But um, you learn. I learned that the. When that, that adversity strikes, consistency. Um, Zach was an incredibly consistent leader. Uh, we just kept hammering the message, uh, and we believed in what was happening, even though the wins weren't taking place. Um, there wasn't the tangible evidence that this is what's happening, but we felt it. We saw it in the locker room. We knew at some point, as we kept building our roster, that we were going to be a really good football team. And uh, our players believed it. Our coaches believed it. Um, and that's, those are those are good lessons to to be through some of those lean years. I mean, 0-11 was not a fun place to be, um, but we learned a lot from it. And, and really the foundation of what our team became two years later um, was a lot of guys that had went through that process. And so you learn a lot about people uh, when things are tough. Um, we learned a lot about our other guys in that football team. And there was a lot of them that were uh, incredibly high character, love playing football. Um, and they, they they helped us get out of those, those times as well. So um, yeah, you learn the most when, when things aren't going very well. Everyone can be positive when, uh, when you're winning a bunch of football games. So, yeah, it was, those are probably incredible, um, intense learning experiences for me. So, I really, one, I love the question by Nick Suss. That was Nick Suss of the Tennessean that answered or, or asked that question of him. And if you didn't quite hear it, he asked, hey, what did you learn? Because basically, they, I mean, they were terrible in Cincinnati. Callahan's first two years under Zach Taylor, because remember, Zach Taylor got hired in 2019, but the Bengals really weren't on the map until that 2021 season where they made the Super Bowl run. They were bad in uh, Burrow's rookie year in 2020, and then they made the leap, quote-unquote, after uh, after, um, they had a couple of years of trying to gut it out. So looking at what how he answered that question, 
I really enjoyed the perspective of how how much I don't want to say how much value there is in losing, but there is value and lessons to be learned from losing. It's whether you adapt to those things or just kind of let the losing wash over you and go on with uh, and go on about your day. DBR Bruce says, "Hey Buck, how much money have you received uh, to hype?" Callahan? Well, none. I would, I'll take it. I'm happy to take a check though. A hundred bucks? No, listen, I can't be bought for anything. I would need at least another zero on there to be, to be just clearly bought and paid for. Um, But yeah, I'm willing. I'm absolutely, listen, I've, I've uh, proved over and over again uh, that I am willing to sell out at any, uh, any particular opportunity. So if he wants to add another thousand on there, then yeah, I'll sell out and hype him all he wants. Um, but, uh, yeah, hundred bucks, uh, you know, you, you, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, a, 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 a previous career version of buck would have jumped at a hundred dollars, uh, not, not new money buck. We're living right these days. It's going to take another, uh, another zero to, uh, to get there. I got a mortgage payment, baby, baby. I'll sell out for just about anybody. I'm selling, I'm selling cars. I'm selling erectile dysfunction treatments on the radio. I'll, I'll sell whatever you need me to. Um, but no, that's not what we, uh. That's not what we do around here. And listen, DBR Bruce, I don't know. Obviously, you've not listened to this show. If you think that what we do is hype people up uh, around here, we uh, <laughs> we we talk. Uh, I think I think we look at things pretty clear headed. And just because a person conducted a good press conference doesn't mean that he's going to be a head coach. Like I said, I've got cause for concern, and we'll get to that in the second segment. Uh, but there are positive things to be taken away, and and there are some things that he needs to make sure that he says whether. They end up following through on them or not is how they're going to be judged. But, you know, this is day one for this dude. So there's nothing to either hype him up for or tear him down for just yet within the uh, the first 24 hours on the job. But don't worry. Those things will start very, very soon. Um, <laughs> Kevo says, Vrabel and Belichick getting beaten out for coaching jobs is interesting. Says a lot about how the NFL teams view the future. Don't worry. We'll get to those two when we get to bounce back. Um Len uh, Kazkoff says, Buck PK was talking smack tonight, said you came today in sweatpants to press. Hell yes, I went to, I'm not wearing a suit to a press conference. <laughs> what? Are you shitting me? This It doesn't matter to me. What, what Rand Carthon and Amy Adams Strunk and, and the whole ownership group and Burke Nihill, the team president, and Chad Brinker, who's apparently the president of football operations, and Brian Callahan, they can all wear suits. I don't think a single damn one of us was wearing anything but we would normally wear. This is part of my day job, brother. I'm not... I'm wearing, I mean, these are nice sweats. It's Lululemon and Legends, no free ads, but like I'm not wearing, it's not like I'm wearing tattered Walmart clothes to press conferences. These are, uh, these are very, you know, these are high-end sweats, I guess. But yeah, not put, if, if you, if you hire somebody that's worth me putting on jeans to go to work for, uh, then we, then, then you can question whether I've actually sold out or not. The day that I show up in anything but sweats to work uh, is the day that you'll know something is deeply, deeply wrong with me. I'm put on listen my lulu joggers are what i'm wearing i've got i've got four or five pair of them and i wear <laughs> lulu joggers every day but game day and hey there's only 17 games a year kids i'm not putting on anything but absolutely not uh <laughs> um you guys will turn on callahan in no time two years maybe but you know like i said it's day one so <laughs> i don't i don't uh i don't think that uh i don't think that that's going to start today but sure it could start next week it could start after he loses his first game, it could start at any point. That is what it is. Um, but as you uh, as you see these things play out, 
what I like about this is that he does have that experience of building something from the ground up because this is not a total ground up rebuild, but they do have a lot of heavy lifting to get done right. It is my expectation that this is not going to be a good football team in 2024 because they can't, they just, they simply can't fix all of the things that are wrong with them in one offseason. They have so many. Uh, it's It's been three years of rot before last year's draft for them to stop the bleeding. Do you know that Caleb Farley is going to be in his fourth year as an NFL player next year? That's insane to think about, but it speaks to the level of decay that the roster has been in over time. Um, and I don't know how you could look around and say anything, uh, say anything other than, oh, no, I still fully expect them to be fourth of four in the AFC South next year. They, they, they have a quarterback, potentially, a quarterback potentially, a fun running back in Tajay Spears. They've got DeAndre Hopkins, who will be 32 next year, and they've got a left guard. And Jeff Simmons. They've got Jeff Simmons. Beyond that, there's not a ton that I feel great about. Landry and, and Amani Hooker absolutely belong in that discussion, so let me not denigrate them. But I I mean, guys, there's there is so much work to be done here. Now, the question, the question becomes, well, all right. When you look at this, um, how much how much can one draft class change things? And the answer, if you remember 2019, is a lot. 2019 absolutely shifted their fortunes as a franchise. It made it a lot uh, it made it a lot easier to kind of jumpstart this thing or get it over the hump. And maybe it didn't get over, ultimately over the hump because they didn't go to the Super Bowl. They uh, they lost in the AFC Championship game, but. You know, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, you've got two years for me as, as kind of a runway here, two years as a runway, you've got two more years. So let's, let's just, and, and in this context, Will Levis is on a four-year rookie deal. He's not a first round pick. So there's no fifth year option for you to kind of weigh uh, your decision on Will Levis long-term with you've got Four years of Will Levis, and one of them has already been burned, right? You're already down his rookie season. So now you really, you theoretically have two seasons where you need to make a decision on Will Levis about his future because by the time year four gets there, you're not really going to want to be in a position where you say, all right, play it out, bud, because they could they could hammer you on the back end for that. And you're not trying to get, you're not, you're basically not trying to get bent over by a quarterback contract. So two years, two years is the runway for me because we're going to judge Brian Callahan based on the success or the failure of uh, of Will Levis, obviously. And two years feels like a sufficient enough time for you to see legitimate roster change and legitimate progress uh, for the quarterback. Two years is probably more than, than most people are willing to give it. But you think about Cincinnati. They got two years before they made their Super Bowl run, right, in 2021. 19, Zach Taylor and Callahan and that staff were hired in 19. 2021, they went to the Super Bowl. The Detroit Lions, Dan Campbell, has been on the job. I want to say, was he hired in the same cycle as Vrabel? I think he was after Vrabel. He might have been, uh, been a 2021 hire. But either way, the Lions were terrible for the first couple of years. They made incremental improvements. They had an ownership structure and a general manager structure that allowed them some wiggle room to work, and now they're in position to legitimately compete, right? The Titans I'm looking at in that same purview. Ownership has to have a degree of patience. 
But Amy has told you in her statements that she wants this thing going right from the get right out the gates. So I am fascinated to see just how long a leash somebody like Brian Callahan gets because, all right, Mike Malarkey from nowhere franchise to competitive, right? That, that was the Mike Malarkey tier. Titans don't matter. Now they matter a little bit. All right, there's a postseason appearance. I think it was the first postseason appearance in like, I mean, God, was it? It was like the first time they'd made the divisional round in like 14 years. I can't remember how long it had been when Mike Malarkey made the playoffs in 2017 prior to that. Um, but it had been it had been some period of time. So looking at looking at kind of the tier, right? You go from Malarkey, who is nowhere to competitive. You go from Vrabel, where you're competitive to at least for a period of time, 20 or excuse me, 19, 20, and 21, three of the six years, Mike Vrabel's teams were considered legitimate contenders, right? And I know that people may push back on that with two years of losing in retrospect, but there's no disputing that for three years, the Titans were going toe-to-toe with the Bills, Chiefs, and the Bengals the, the and the Ravens, the four biggest contenders in the AFC. There's no way that you couldn't call the Titans a contender in that period of time, okay? So now you go from contending semi-regularly to you want to contend more often than you were. Mike Vrabel has had only two playoff wins, right? It's really not that much when you think about how long he was here and how much they accomplished or were not able to accomplish in those six years. But when you think about the idea that the standard for this team has been so shitty where you have two playoff wins, only two playoff wins under Mike Vrabel, but guys, you only have eight, including those two, in 25 years of the Tennessee Titans football. Not the franchise, not the Houston Oilers, not dating back to 1960. But two out of eight, a quarter of your franchise's playoff wins in 25 years, this is a standard for a franchise that Amy Adams Strunk wants to elevate. I, you, you can totally understand. You feel it, right, as a fan base. You feel that level of frustration. You feel that level of, oh, well, nobody takes us seriously, right? People don't take you seriously. The reality is they've never really had to, right? In 25 years of the Tennessee Titans, there's the run at the beginning and there's 19, 20, and 21 with Vrabel. Those are really the only times where you felt like the Tennessee Titans as a franchise had had true teeth. So I'm not saying that what Vrabel did here was good enough, but the standard has now elevated. So a quarter of your franchise's playoff wins in the last 25 years of football, not good enough. I agree, not good enough. But you need to go ahead and understand what the, the, the level of expectation is here now if you're Brian Callahan, because what you've just been told is, all right, four winning seasons out of six, not good enough. Three postseason appearances in six seasons, not good enough. Two playoff wins. Uh and an AFC championship appearance in six years, not good enough. Again, I agree with all of those points. But how much does that impact the ownership's level of patience here with the person that they've just brought in to usher in the new era? I think it's a fascinating science experiment. I have no idea how it's going to play out. He may well exceed any level of expectation that has been achieved here in your past. He may fall short of it. Again, it's day one for Brian Callahan. I'm not. I'm not getting ahead of myself just yet. But I just think it's important to put that in 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 context 
for what the standard has been here. The standard has been this is this is an also ran franchise. This is not a this is this has been for the bulk of its existence, 25 years, an unserious football team. Now you have somebody with direction or who thinks she has a direction that she wants to go and has been building towards this direction and wants a Super Bowl here. Got her new stadium. That's going to be put into place. Wants to host a Super Bowl in Nashville. Wants to play in a Super Bowl. Wants to win a Super Bowl. Bring Lombardi trophies to Nashville is what Amy Adams Strunk said in her press conference today. Okay. Well, how long is this guy getting to do it? He's got a five-year contract, but Will Levis, Will Levis's window here on the on the affordable rookie deal is really only two years. It is a sports prime time is presented to you by the great folks at Zen Sports, where you can wager on all of your favorite major sports. You can get in on the action with baseball when it comes about basketball in season now, hockey as well. So much available to you. So many great odds, boosts, and promotions. When you plug in that promo code ATOZTN, get up to $1,000 on your no danger first wager. When you use that promo code, terms and conditions do apply. Gambling problem, call the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 or up in Tennessee to bet. Uh, Justin Parr says, Buck, the Titans are going to get investigated for, uh, by the NFL for Brian almost saying he talked to Will last week. Yeah. <laughs> you, you caught him catching himself, uh, today when he said, yes, uh, he was, he was in the facility working out. That's when I spoke to him. Okay. Settle down there, Brian. Don't keep your powder dry as coach Dave McGinnis would say. Um, so there was, there was a lot to learn from the press conference. But this is this is in a true build, okay? They are building this thing up under the purview of Rand as the general manager, of Chad Brinker, who's doing half of the general manager's job. Or let me let me clarify. The role of general manager was different when John Robinson was here. Rand Carthon has never done the job that John Robinson did. Rand Carthon is doing more of the general manager responsibilities this year based on the promotion that he received, which makes it read like the Titans actually hired a general manager. But when you read everything that falls under the purview of Chad Brinker's job, and by the way, Chad Brinker was at the press conference today. Chad Brinker didn't speak today, but Chad Brinker was in the pictures that they took with Rand, Brian Callahan, and Amy Adams Strunk holding up the holding up the Carthon jersey. When you see the guy standing to, if you're looking at the picture, standing to the right of Rand and you don't know who that man is, that is Chad Brinker. I The the role of general manager has basically been split between those two men. And again, that speaks to the larger concept of, of working together, uh, delegation of roles. I'm not going to say the C word, but you know what I'm talking about. But the Brinker factor is interesting in all this. Did I say, did I, what, what Jersey did I say? Did I say Carthon Jersey? I meant Callahan. I'm probably going to do that a bunch. Uh, that is what it is. But uh, I, I, I want you guys to keep that in mind as you see how your football team is run. And as you see how decisions are made moving forward, because uh, that's, that's not overtly common, not overtly common. Um, and the president of football operations in the role of NFL responsibilities, that's a title that's above the GM. I'm curious. I'm fascinated. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how this thing plays out. And if they get it all right, then nobody cares. 
but just so you know whom to hold accountable for some of those decisions. John was probably doing too much because what they've split between the president of football operations role and Rand Carthon, because Puka says that's not a new title in the NFL. No, but it's a new title for this organization. It doesn't matter what's been done in the NFL in years past. This is a new role here, right? Um, John took too much on and wanted too much of it, right? In the same way that we talk about Vrabel wanting a, a level of control that they felt was untenable, there was a ton of stuff. Um, there was a ton of stuff that was folded under uh, that was folded under the umbrella of John that probably didn't need need to be. Now, perhaps they found a situation that is more strategic that will benefit these general that that these these benefit these parties working together towards the larger picture will better delegate the roles and things of that nature. But I think that this is a this is a fascinating dynamic. And I'm just, you know, I think that it is uh, that it is something that is worth pointing out. Jared Morris says you're really stuck on Brinker getting more Brinker getting more responsibilities. Everybody else in media is saying it's not a big deal, and clearly Rand is in control. Okay, well, I don't care what everybody else is saying. I've got plenty of uh, I've got plenty of sources inside the building. When I'm told, okay, when I'm told that Chad Brinker meets with the Titan staff before this press conference today and let me let me pull up the text so I can read exactly from it um to to kind of expand on why I think this is worth fleshing out a little bit uh when when he gets up in front of people and says that he is uh excited to be their leader Chad Brinker okay who who all falls under that purview and how are we delegating the role of leadership here? These, maybe, maybe it's nitpicking, but I'm telling you guys, at some point, you're going to care about this shit, and you may think that I'm being excessive now, but when decisions are made and you don't like it, while we're trying to flesh this stuff out for you, I don't want to hear that you don't want to hear about more detail there, okay? Those are things that are legitimate that are legitimate questions to ask. I'm not saying that they're concerns. I'm not saying that they're a problem. I'm just saying that these are things that exist. Okay? Pay attention. That's all. All right. Uh, cause for concern. Let's talk about the only thing that kind of that kind of piqued uh, my interest as something that is worth monitoring for what this football team needs. We'll talk about it together right after I remind you that the primetime show is presented by TrueMav Fitness in the Gulch. Go to TrueMavFitness.com for your first workout free. As a Middle Tennessee resident, no workout is ever recycled or repeated. When you go to TrueMav, they're just there to give you the best workout possible. Whether the best workout for you involves group fitness classes, whether the best workout for you uh, involves personal training, the way that I go to TrueMav for, whether you just want to work out on your own time, and get a membership to work out at their awesome facility as you like. TrueMath Fitness is the best place, a new way to work out for the best version of you. Go to TrueMathFitness.com for your first workout free. Um, so I think that uh, I think that a lot of this stuff um, that you kind of peel into is all good on, on surface level. This dude checks all the boxes. Brian Callahan, I mean, this dude checks all the boxes that this franchise needs checked, right? 
You need quarterback development. You need modern day offense. You need somebody to talk about how important it is to complete more passes than less. And while I do love that he said, you know, the Tennessee Titans are known for running the football. We're going to run the football. We're going to be a physical team. Okay, that's great. I don't want to see more Titans brand football. I want to see what the Bengals are doing. I want to see what the Chiefs are doing. I want to see what the Bills are doing. I want to see you air it out, coach man. Show me the touchdown plays. Yeah. Um, With that being said, None of that matters if you don't get better protection in place. Now, the way that he answered this question is a fair answer to the question. But if there becomes a situation on draft night where the offensive line at seven seems like the most obvious thing until they maybe decide to do something else, this is not, Will Levis is not Joe Burrow. You can get away with some lesser offensive linemen in front of Joe Burrow. Will Levis needs legit protection. And so when I heard that today uh, about the the level of the level of responsibility that they are going to assign to the offense as a whole as opposed to just putting it on one position group, I get what he's saying. I know why he said it, and I know he's not going to take the offensive line group out. But this was Brian Callahan talking about protection being everybody's problem. You have to play the video, Bert. That and how much schematically can you fix that? Um, there's a lot of things that go into protection. Um, some of it starts with as simple as uh, you got to go win. Uh, you got to win versus tight coverage. Um, protection is, a, is an everybody problem. Uh, the quarterback's got to get rid of the ball on time. Uh, they have to more work through progressions quickly. Um, so to say that it's a, it's a specifically the offensive line needs to fix the protection problem, I, I don't agree with that. Um, I think it's a, it's a holistic offensive issue uh, if you have protection problems. And there's a lot of ways you can uh, help weaknesses, um, highlight strengths, and everybody's involved in the process. Um, as far as profiles of offensive linemen and players, you know, obviously you're looking for, for those, the guys that are great at pass pro. Um, you're looking for guys that can anchor, guys that got great length. Um, you know, we'll talk about all the traits at a later date, but um, schematically you can help a ton. You can chip, you can bang edges. Um, back's got to be fantastic in pass protection. They got to know who to block and how to block them. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a holistic offensive issue. And so our job is to find a way to make sure everyone knows all the specifics of what we're trying to get done, and then they can technically go execute it. So that's Brian Callahan speaking today. And listen, he's right. That's a completely fair answer. Terry Anderson says, what did you expect him to say? This is a professional answer. It is. I'm not disagreeing with you, Terry. Again, the answer that he's giving is correct. Except when I hear that, and I know where he comes from, and I know what his background is, and I know that they took Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell, they they got away with it because they have Joe Burrow. You don't have Joe Burrow here. It's... When he said that he disagrees with the idea that you can put the protection plan on just one position group, you can't. Everybody's involved. Tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, right? Get the ball out. Don't hold it. Don't pad it. Don't uh, don't double clutch, right? Wide receivers, run your routes efficiently, quickly. Get to your spots. Offensive linemen, make sure you anchor. Hold up and pass pro. Two and a half seconds is the standard. If we can get a little more there, three seconds is typically when you start to see plays break down and quarterbacks have to make plays out of schedule. Terry, I 100% agree with you. That is a professional answer, except if you don't draft a tackle at seven. You have to draft a left tackle in the first round this year. 
the only way that it is acceptable to not draft a tackle in the first round this year is if both of those tackles, uh, Olaf Ashanu or uh, Joe Alt, are off the board by the time you get to seven. It's possible. You have to be prepared for that scenario. They're not going to tell it. They're not going to give us their draft strategy right away. They're not going to say it as bluntly as, we know we need a left tackle at seven. Listen to me. You need a left tackle at seven. Okay. It's, it, it's like one of those, it's like one of those, uh, one of those little notepad, uh, notepad things, right? Anything, but anything, anything, but an offensive lineman at seven, <laughs> you, you, you have to have to have that. All right. This is an organization that he's coming from that did the chase over Sewell thing. They could Joe Burrow is special. Joe Burrow is different. Joe Burrow is in a tier of, I mean, I only think there's, I mean, I would only argue that there's one elite quarterback in professional football right now. Well, I actually, I would, you know, Lamar for his level of play this year, I would put those, I would put him and Mahomes in the elite tier. Those two played an elite level of football that set them apart from their, from their peers this year, Mahomes and Lamar. I think you can, you can rehab that discussion every year. Burrow is phenomenal. Burrow is the next tier down. Burrow is in that Josh Allen level of discourse, right? Where you're saying, all right, these guys are great, but they're not the greatest. Um, I don't know. I don't know what Will Levis is. Will Levis is a big old question mark to me. Other than I love that he's intense. I love that he cares. I love that he's super competitive. All these different things are phenomenal qualities that you can't coach. They have to be innate, and Levis has that. But he's also got accuracy questions. Those can be improved with better protection. He's got the slowest wide receiver core in football. I'm not saying that wide receiver doesn't have to be addressed this year. You have to address these wide receivers, absolutely. It could be a smokescreen. It could be just professionalism. It could be that he's not going to take out the offense. He's not going to get up there and in response to the question be like, yeah, last year's offensive line, they're trash. We're not doing. We're not doing that again. He's not going to Sean Payton it, right, the way that Sean Payton took out Nathaniel Hackett uh, after taking over the Broncos job. Levis is something. Levis belongs. Levis can for sure be a starting caliber NFL quarterback. How much better he can be above and beyond that is a total unknown. You knew that Burrow was different coming out of the draft. They put him in a position where he was able to overcome some of that. And by the way, he's not able to overcome all of it because they then went about it paying for offensive linemen and still didn't get it right. They tried to dip into the free agent offensive line pool and it didn't work. They've still got one of the worst offensive line groups in football. And you see, you see the Bengals offense suffer for it. So while I, I am 100% in agreement with his answer, that is the only place that I could even potentially take issue today. It's the only thing that kind of, you know, perked my radar up a little bit just to say, okay, how can that answer, how might that answer potentially inform decisions that they make moving forward? That's what it is. All right. Major Key says it correctly. Sacked Burrow nine times and he still beat you. You technically sacked him 11. Two of those sacks got wiped off the board because of stupid penalties. Uh, penalties that you could probably debate one way or the other. But if I, I remember off the top of my head, Jeff had at least one that got wiped off. I want to say Landry had one wiped off too, um, but I can't remember specifically. It might have been Bud Dupree. Either way, uh, tackle at seven, tackle at seven, 
take a damn tackle at seven. I appreciate the professionalism of your answer. I completely understand why he answered the question that way. His answer is 100% correct and also take a tackle at seven. That's, that's, that's where I'm at with it. All right, weekend bounce back. Who needs to bounce back most in sports this week? We'll talk about it together right after I remind you that the primetime program is made possible by the law offices of Amanda J. Gentry. Wherever justice demands, Amanda J. and her team are there to protect you, to inform you of what your constitutional rights are so that you can be better protected where it comes to people infringing upon your constitutional protections. That is not something that Amanda J. and her team will allow. They will fight for you. They are passionate about your defense to make sure that you are equipped with all the knowledge that you need to proceed. Wherever justice demands, that is where you can find Amanda J. Gentry. Com. So, who needs to bounce back most in sports this week? Abe says, we need to be able to come back. Well, you're not going to do it. There's nothing. You can't lose right now, but you can't win. I mean, I guess hiring a head coach before. I mean, well, no, let me let me not let me not be dismissive. Amy Adams Strunk delivered, right? Uh, and, and we'll see if these if these moves, if these decisions long term play out, because ultimately they have to win games. But um, Amy Adams Strunk was true to her word on a couple of things that she said in that hostage video that I've referenced before, where uh, where she promised Mike Keith in response to a question that Mike Keith asked, would she define the roles? She absolutely defined the roles in her statement with with Carthon, with Brinker, um, and with Callahan. Uh, and secondarily, she said that she didn't want to get pushed to the back of the line, and why they didn't waste time trying to explore a Mike Vrabel, Vrabel trade. Uh, she didn't. She hired the first head coach who was not an internal candidate for a job of any of the other openings that had jobs to fill, right? The Titans were the first non-Patriots domino to fall in that circumstance. So um, Amy Adams Strunk delivered on her promise. So you can win in those ways. She has won by accomplishing those things, by delivering on those promises to her credit, absolutely. Now, you can't lose anything in the offseason right now. Um, you know, maybe maybe the uh maybe the first time that we talk about wins and lose uh, wins and losses, winners and losers and stuff like that is after they put together a draft class or after they put together a free agency class, I guess, or after they put together a coaching staff, right? All of that is uh all of that is is still ahead in the coming days and weeks. But um you know, where the Titans, I don't think there's anything necessarily that the Titans, the Titans have to bounce back from a shitty season, but they, they can't do that until next September. So we'll, we'll probably keep them out of this discussion. Uh, Sean Gill says the former LSU player, by the way, Patriots wide receiver, Kayshawn Boutte, uh, that placed uh, like eight, eight, uh, 8,500 bets in one season and got busted. I don't remember his name, though. He needs to bounce back. Kayshawn Boutte is in legitimate legal trouble for as a college football player betting on betting on him betting on himself betting on his own team among several other uh bets that were uh that were made at under you know under the illegal purview of him being an active college football player that's a big no no not just in the NFL but at the college level too um you know the place that I would go is Mike Vrabel Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick could use a bounce back. Now, I told you, I think, I think, shit, I think it was the day after he got fired that he was going to slow play this thing a little bit. But I also told you that I'm, I'm going to come on here and eat as much crow as anybody because I, I was certain talking to enough people around the league 
that Mike Vrabel would be a head coach in 2024. There's only one job left to fall here, right? The Seattle Seahawks. And I am, uh, you know, like I said, I will, I will eat as much crow as I will. I, I don't think, I don't know where I can get, I'm not going to eat an actual crow though. There's crows flying all around my neighborhood. I feel like this time of year, so I'm not going to need an actual crow for you, but maybe I'll get a, a stuffed crow or something like that. We'll bring it on set. If Mike Vrabel, <clears throat> excuse me, isn't coaching in, uh, in 2024, uh, Bert suggests that he can get me a crow. I don't want your off-brand black market chromey Bert that you're buying uh that you're buying from uh, God knows where or probably not buying probably stealing if I had to be more accurate with that assessment so no I will not trust whatever mystery meat Bert puts in front of me and says uh and says chromey uh commanders too technically but it is thought that Ben Johnson is favored for that job but you are you are absolutely correct um you are absolutely correct uh Puka says Buck uh yes Buck are you going to senior bowl you know, no, I, I was planning on it, but uh, Callahan and Carthon aren't going, is my understanding. Callahan's for sure not going. It sounds like it's kind of up in the air whether Rand Carthon goes to the Senior Bowl or not. So, you know, I mean, I I guess it would be good for me to go and talk to agents and stuff like that, but I can do that at the Combine. And if the coach, the new coach and the general manager, who I would be there for their availability primarily, are not going to go then right now my my plan is uh is to not is to not go to the senior bowl and that that's just been something that's been changed today because i was told that they uh that they were not planning on going um why is uh why is Rand not going says tom h well again callahan for sure not uh carthon um carthon still up in the air but apparently um apparently they're going to stick hang back and focus on putting together the staff. So I don't know if that, I don't know if that influences the way that you view this uh, or not. Um, and by the way, there's a bunch of other bowl games and stuff like that. Chad Brinker, uh, again, the, 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 the role, uh, the role that you, that you see here, this nebulous role. Okay. The president of football operations, they're going to have representation at the senior bowl, but and it's my understanding because I'm I'm planning out the radio show for next week, right? And I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about hey, you know what's Carthon and Callahan's availability, and what are we doing here, and what's what's the time frame look like, and what works here, and what works there, and you know what I, I was told is yeah, they're probably going to hang back and, and put together a coaching staff. So they have pe- again, they have people to delegate this stuff to. But you know, I hadn't heard of a, of both a head coach and a general manager, and we'll see if Rand ends up going. It's possible that he does. I don't want to you know raise false alarms before uh, uh, unnecessarily. But I know I know Callahan is for sure not going um, right now. We we will see um, we will see what Rand's decision ultimately ends up being. And you know, again, maybe maybe this role or this division of roles and responsibilities is to allow Rand to do more of the stuff that he's best equipped to do and Brinker to do more of the stuff that he's best equipped to do. And Anthony Robinson, who's still an assistant general manager, um, can do things that he's equipped to do, right? He's the assistant general manager in charge of personnel. Uh, You know, you have to trust your scouts, right? As, as Eric Alonzo says, trust your scout team. It's, it's fair. And if the emphasis is on putting together the coaching staff and Rand is more beneficial here than, than in Mobile, then that's fine for me. But for my purposes, um, for my purposes, uh, it's it's not as productive. I can I can watch cut-ups of, of players and practices and things like that and 
you know, I have I have done the senior bowl trip a bunch of times. So the networking element of it for me is not as important, especially when combine is the thing that's most important to everybody. So combine, I'll be there. What is it? It's like Thursday through Monday this year. We'll be doing the radio show up there um, and all this different stuff. Major Keys says correctly, Rand said this morning that they're going to hunt together. Well, they're going to hunt together for a coaching staff, it sounds like. Um, Sean Gill says, is this Vrabel scouting team or Rand? Well, there's still a lot of Robinson people that are employed by this organization, which is curious to me. Now, could changes come after the draft? Yes, but right now, all of the people who were still under contract from the John Robinson regime, of which there are many, um, in the same way that Cowden, remember, uh, the interim general manager, uh, the interim general manager ran the draft board, not made the picks, but ran the draft board, put together the draft, right? Because after John went, somebody had to still oversee that level of operation, the area scouts, the regional scouts, all these different things. Um, the assistant general managers and how everybody worked together. Cowden oversaw that because Rand, I mean, shit, if they fired John, like I think it was the first week of December, and then Rand didn't get here officially until January the 20th, then yeah, of course Rand is going to be behind the behind the learning curve to an extent on what John's uh, John's staff has been doing. So there's still a lot of people who are still employed from the John Robinson regime, if that changes, um, you would see the most substantial change after this year's draft. So they'll go through the draft process together and all those things. Um, and then you may see more organizational shifts uh, once they get once they get through that that part of this that everybody has been uh, has been doing. Justin Parr says, Buck, have you talked to Brable since the firing? Yeah, I talked to Mike. I've talked to Mike, I think uh, I called him called him day of I didn't hear back until day after but yeah you know my understanding is doing real well uh and um you know I talked to a bunch of people around him that said he may not necessarily jump right back into coaching I told you guys that that was before all these dominoes started to fall but I do think it's important to note whether he gets a job or not based on merit or based on his own level of of intensity like how much did he approach how how intense was the approach on this? Because he didn't do any first round interviews, right? He didn't jump into the mix. He didn't start doing actual interviews uh, until uh, until everybody would start at the second round, right? So I don't know what that signals, whether that was his decision, whether that was organizations' decisions, or or just how everybody's schedules worked out. I, I can't answer that question for for him, for them, or anybody else. But yeah, I mean, he's doing fine. He's he's getting fat paychecks from the Titans. Uh, one way or the other, if he gets a job or not. So it's uh, it's not a bad time to be a fired coach or John Robinson, who's still collecting uh, Titans checks on the dime. Um, in fact, the Titan and I mentioned this on the radio show today, you guys don't care if, if Mike Vrabel gets, or John Robinson get another job or something like that. Um, but the Titans, as an organization, care very much about both of those gentle, gentlemen getting a, uh, getting a job because they have, huge contracts, uh, contract extensions that they're currently paying because both of those extensions that John and Mike got less than two years ago are fully guaranteed. <clears throat> Excuse me. If, uh, if an or another organization hires John to be a general manager or Mike to be a head coach, that money offsets. So um, I think that that is, uh, I think that that is interesting. Now Puka points out something that I think could very much be the case with Brable. And again, that would be speculation. I don't know for certain. Maybe Vrabel thought that teams would call him more than he would have to go out there and, and you know, um, 
press the flesh feels like a dated term, but uh, Mike, I, you know, I think there was a lot of this stuff that, uh, that, that surprised Mike Vrabel. I don't think Mike ever thought he was going to get fired um, the way that it ended up going down. Right. But that's the nature of the situation. And, uh, and we'll see how it goes moving forward. Maybe he's the Seahawks coach. Maybe he's not, maybe he's on television next year. Maybe he's not, I don't know. Um, but I know the Titans fans are going to take a victory lap in a big way where everybody, including myself, and by the way, you are entitled to it. If Mike Vrabel is not coaching next year, you get to rub it in my face. You get to rub it in Albert Breer's face. You get to rub it in Diana Rossini's face. You get to rub it in Paul Kaharski's face. You get to rub it in all of our faces because everybody with a platform to a T said Mike Vrabel was going to be one of the best candidates out there. And right now, there are two jobs left. But one of them hasn't interviewed Mike Vrabel. Shit, I don't think the Seahawks have interviewed Mike Vrabel either, come to think of it. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, maybe he takes a job at Ohio State. Mike Vrabel is not going to coach college. That's that's not a, that's not how that's going to go today. Um, I, was, I was told a resounding hell no <laughs> to the idea of Mike Vrabel coaching college next year. We will see. Uh, word got out about him, says Ricky Roman. That shit matters. It's, that shit matters. It really does. It, it has to come up in every interview that he does, 100%. Um, and hell, Bill Belichick sounds like he lost out on the Falcons job because he wasn't willing to answer to their president and CEO, uh, Rich McKay, in, in Atlanta. That stuff matters. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight on the Primetime Show. That's going to do it for us this week on the Primetime Show. Listen, huge 615 sessions tomorrow. We're going to quad pot it. There's going to be four of us at 3.30, live stream right here on these very same platforms. It's going to be Joe Rexroad of The Athletic. It's going to be Teron Davenport of ESPN. It's going to be Paul Kaharski of paulkaharski.com. God knows we're going to say his name entirely too much tomorrow, and it's going to be myself. We're going to have all four of us here live stream for you, 3.30 p.m. Central Time, for a special edition, a quad pod version of the 615 Sessions podcast. It's going to be Can't Miss. Um, we're going to try and keep it, uh, we're going to try and keep it on the rails. We're going to try and keep it from going too long. Cause normally I try to keep those podcasts under 30 minutes and there's no way that the four of us with how long winded all of us are, uh, are going to be able to keep it under, <laughs> under, uh, 30 minutes, but that's great for you guys. Cause we're going to have a lot of discussions about all the shits that's happening here, all the stuff behind the scenes that we know, how much context we can add to what you guys know. Um, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have a great time and you can check that out tomorrow on the 615 sessions. I have a radio show to do between that and uh, today or tonight and the next podcast. Um, tomorrow on the radio show, Coach Dave McGinnis of Titans Radio. We'll talk to him about Brian Callahan. Kevin Clark of The Ringer, who knows Brian Callahan very, very well, a member of the national media who has covered this man um, basically at every stop that he's been at, who can inform a lot of the stuff, who can flesh out more details, provide you more answers to the questions that you're asking about who this person is and uh, and how this will inform who the Titans are going to be moving forward. So radio from 10 to 1, Kevin Clark, Coach Dave McGinnis, podcast after radio at 3.30 tomorrow, Kaharski, Davenport, Rex Road, and moi. Speaking of pods, go check out the new install with Greg Cosell. It's available on your uh, on the 104.5 The Zone YouTube channel. That's all the things I got to plug. I got a lot of shit to plug. I've always got stuff to plug because they're keeping me busy. It's why I look so damn tired, as all of you are very quick to point out to me on a regular basis, but it's okay because I still love you.
just the same. Have a great rest of your week. If I don't talk to you tomorrow on the podcast or tomorrow on the radio show, um, enjoy your weekend. I certainly will. Bert, you're going to have to play the video, the ending video for me as well. I don't even have that shit loaded up. Hit it. This is our cult. This is our team. We bleed blue. This is our cult. Whether win or lose, we love them. For the shoe, beat the Titans. Let the world hear us now. This is our team. Go Colts!